Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like a Jew? For you who may be visitors, we've been working through the gospel, or through the letter of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians. And uh, we'll be moving into Galatians 2, 11 through 14 in this particular lesson. A newly ordained pastor, on the very first day, on his very first call, was attempting to console the widow of a very eccentric man who had died. Now, standing before the open casket, this nervous young pastor, wanting to say the perfect words, looked and said, I realize this must be very, very hard blow for you, Mrs. Smith. But I just want you to remember that what we see before us is only the husk, the shell of your dead husband. But that nut has gone to heaven. <laughs> Think about this. Eccentric man, you know. Oh, forget it. Well, we're... We'll work on some other stuff, you know. Now, I like that one for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it says something about me. But. Last week, we talked about Peter and Paul met in Jerusalem. And they stood together to confirm a deep truth, the great truth that, in, that we are all saved by grace in Jesus Christ alone, nothing more and nothing else. But now, in our lesson today, Paul switches from standing next and alongside Peter in Jerusalem to standing against Peter in Antioch. Now, in both cases, what matters to Paul is faithfulness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, they initiated what were called the clean laws. And they, they had talked about the rituals that covered everything from what you eat, how you, how you wash, and everything else. And these were regulations that people were called to follow in order to be clean and acceptable to a holy God. Now, in Matthew and Mark, but in particular in Mark 7, 14, um, we find that all these ceremonial laws, all these rituals, all the cleanliness laws, we're told that all of these Old Testament ritual laws were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And then in Acts eleven seven, God sends Peter a vision. And in that vision, Peter learns this very truth about everything is made clean through Jesus Christ. Now, in that vision, he sees a sheet full of all of these different kinds of animals that a Jew was not allowed to eat, birds, animals, fish, and they were all in this, on this sheet. And then he hears this voice. This voice comes from heaven and says, kill and eat. Do not call anything unclean that God calls clean. And then a few minutes later, there's a knock at his door, 
And these people come to the door and they ask him if he would please come down to Caesarea to see a friend of theirs, Cornelius, a centurion, a Gentile centurion. And of course, Jews aren't even allowed to walk into a Gentile's house. And they said he's had a vision and God has called to him. He's asked for you, Peter, to come down and see him. And then this vision, Peter also finds out that God calls him to go to Cornelius. So he goes to the house of Cornelius, all these Gentiles. And while he's there, Cornelius has accepted Jesus Christ. And when he accepts Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and his whole household. And Peter and his friends are amazed. And Peter realizes that in the eyes of God, Jew and Gentile alike are saved through grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing else and nothing more. That we are all in the same boat. And Peter goes back to Jerusalem because there's great contention that he's been in this house with Gentiles and all things happen. And then Peter defends this very position and he says, I want you to know that I watched God move in the hearts of these Gentiles and that he shows no favoritism and that we are saved by grace through Jesus Christ alone. He stood up with great bravery against all these Jewish people who were insisting that you had to have all these laws as well as Jesus in your life. And then a short time later, Peter goes to Antioch. And while he's at Antioch, he's sitting table fellowship with the Gentiles. Now what you have to understand is when you invite somebody to eat into your home or you sit down at a table with them, you are saying, you are my friend. You are my equal. And, you know, we are blessed together. And so Peter was having table fellowship with these Gentiles, and he was enjoying the freedom of the gospel. And then some Jews came down from Jerusalem, these very Jews who are still insisting that all Christians must be circumcised, and they must keep all the laws of Judaism in order to be saved. And suddenly, Peter cut table fellowship with the Gentiles. And when Paul saw what Peter did, that he had cut this fellowship of the Gentiles, he accused Peter of hypocrisy. And worse yet, Peter's hypocrisy had a ripple effect because suddenly even people like Barnabas were moving away from the Gentiles, breaking that fellowship and going to sit with the Jews. He says, even Barnabas was led astray by you, Peter. In a moment of weakness, Peter, afraid of criticism... chose the need for acceptance by these influential Jews who were sent by James, the brother of Jesus, and he chose their position, their acceptance over faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Peter was suddenly more concerned about his reputation than he was about his character. Proverbs 9, and, Proverbs 9 and 29 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the fear of man will prove to be to you a snare. Now, Peter was an impulsive man. When you read through Scripture, you see that he, had, he was a very impulsive man. He could at different times show amazing faith and amazing courage. And then moments later, he could fail miserably. And in those times he failed, it was because Peter feared people more than he feared and trusted God. 
When Saul displayed or disobeyed God in Samuel 15, it was because he was afraid of public opinion. When Samson gave in to Delilah in Judges 16, it was because he was afraid of losing her sexual affections. These things were more important to them than obedience to God. And that, my friends, is always idolatry. The first article of the Westminster Confession says, the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is why we're here. That is the reason for our existence, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To put anyone or anything ahead of God in your life is to give that person or that thing power over your heart that only God should have. And Paul doesn't see Peter's behavior as simply being rude. Paul sees Peter's behavior as being downright destructive. But while Peter wasn't acting in line with the gospel, I want you to understand something really important. Though Peter was not acting in line with the gospel, Paul doesn't focus on Peter's sinful behavior. Paul simply pointed Peter back to the gospel. You know, remember that Peter didn't first choose Jesus. Jesus first chose Peter. Peter's acceptance before God had nothing to do with who he was, about his race, about his culture, about his customs, about his work, had nothing to do with him. God simply chose to set his love upon Peter, just as God has done for each and every one of you. And Paul uses the gospel to show Peter that nationalism, classism, or racism is born out of fear or a desire to find a way to feel more superior or more righteous than others, forgetting that we're all saved, Jew and Gentile alike, by grace, through faith, to, through Jesus Christ alone. And Paul was telling Peter he needed to bring his thinking, his feelings, and his behavior back in line with the truth of the gospel. When you try to motivate people by urging them to see their riches and the love they have in Jesus Christ, you're pointing people to their value and their dignity. If you try to motivate people with guilt or by threatening them, you're showing them very little respect. And I guarantee you this, they will not listen to you. Nothing will turn a person off quicker than to say something like, you would or wouldn't do this if you were really a Christian. Ever wonder why so many people are turned off by the church? That's why Paul uses God's grace as his motivator. Peter, remember the gospel. Remember the grace and the love that God has showered upon you. Not only was Peter's racism out of line with the gospel, but so was his cowardice. 
Paul reminded Peter that he was loved and he was justified in God's eyes and he already had the full approval of Jesus Christ and he didn't need the approval of these men. When you have Jesus Christ and his approval, you have everything you'll ever need for all eternity. You don't need anybody else's approval. And Paul is saying, Peter, do you seek the approval of God or the approval of men? You've already got God's approval, Peter. You don't need anything else. My friends, we're all sinners, and we're all sinners saved by grace. That we're all in the same boat, and none of us has a right to boast. It costs God the same amount of blood to save you as everyone else. And God didn't save you because you're special. He saved you simply because he chose to set his love and his grace upon you. You are now holy. You are now holy and completely acceptable to God. Not because of anything you've done, not because of anything about you, but only because of what Jesus Christ, out of his great love, has done for you. And when God looks at you, he only sees Christ in you. That's what it means to trust Jesus Christ. You become fully accepted to God. Peter was saying one thing, but his actions were communicating the opposite. And how often is that true of us? And Paul was not going to let Peter get away with it. You know, Paul had risked his life to carry the gospel to these Gentiles. And he was not about to let anyone, not even Peter, rob him and his churches of the freedom and liberty they had in Jesus Christ. And so Paul confronted Peter directly and in love because a sure way to weaken any church is not to hold people accountable. You know, has fear at what others may say or think about you ever hindered your witness for Jesus Christ in the world? Fear is often what causes us to seek the approval of people over faithfulness to God. Fear can often cause us to be poor examples of faith in our hostile world. Fear can even cause us to be inconsiderate of the struggles of others and their need for love and acceptance, which is why you always need to remember when you look at yourself and when you look at others and when you deal with others, that love, that gospel of how much Jesus Christ loves each one of you. And you need to ask yourself, are you walking in step with the truth of that gospel and the great love that God has shown to each and every one of you because you are precious and you are holy. And he desires nothing more than each one of you in his kingdom forever and ever because of that love. Amen.